Yeah, dude. It's on. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the uh, Trying to Be Better with Joel and Steve podcast. We're really <laughs> glad everybody is here. We have a special guest, and he will be introduced momentarily. But I want, I want to toot my hooter real quick before we start. <laughs> I actually delivered the mug today to Eduardo. He did it. He finally did it. Did it. That That's was the fucking amazing. Christmas Christmas don't mug. Get, don't get too excited. It's gonna yeah. Be well, <laughs> and so he posted. I took a photo of him and he posted it. And I have like two other messages about a mug. People want mugs now. <laughs> look, look like, what we've done. Now we, we actually have to engage our media specialist yeah. arm. Yeah, this we may have to make, make some merch. Yep. Um, yeah, so yeah, we're yeah. I don't know. Is there any other housekeeping? You know, we have an Instagram um, trying to be better podcast. Yeah. Instagram trying to be better podcast. Email us, please. TTBB podcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from all y'all. Yeah, I got a. I actually um, got a Facebook message from a alumni from the institution that I teach at. Hmm. And he I didn't see it until today. I feel so bad. <laughs> but he he was commenting on an episode, maybe two or three episodes ago about when I was all balled up about the cool things I get to do. Right. And he he was he identified he's a he's a artist. He's a beatboxer. He's like a graphic designer, visual artist. And sure. He really connected. So Tanner, thanks for sending that message. I appreciate you, buddy. So nice. That's, that's my housekeeping for tonight. Beautiful. I don't have anything else. I'm excited to talk to our guest. Joel, do you want to do the, the intro honors? Yeah. So we, uh, this guy was on our first Google doc of ideas of people to talk to in Lincoln when we were kicking around this idea. Yep. He's doing the touchdown arms right now. He's right. excited. He was on the, he was like, well, I get, you know, we got to talk to this guy. He does so many cool things and he's just that's such real. a really positive force in the community. And like, he could talk about his record label, his music with the, the band he plays with, you know, solo or with his wife or his media company or his dad's music history or the fact that he's played with Neil Young and Willie Nelson for crying out loud. So like, dude, we got to <laughs> talk to this guy. Right. And plus, he's just a really awesome guy. So give a big TTBB welcome to Mike Semrad. Yeah. <laughs> what up, America? <laughs> yes. Mike. Mike, thank you so much for doing this. I've been really oh, excited man. about uh, getting just to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it's like I've seen you perform a few times. I saw well, the last nice. time I saw you, you were on a trailer getting driven through my neighborhood. <laughs> oh, a yeah. bicycle rickshaw. Yeah, that was yes. that. And I got to tell you, yeah. man, like that was the first time really that my kids have danced to live music. Oh, my God. No right? way. That's yeah, pretty special. much. I mean, a That's little great. bit, but I mean, like just that impromptu thing where like they just started grooving in somebody's driveway. Right. That was rad. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And I'm I, so honored to, to have that happen. It was nice. really cool. And like I've seen the bottle tops, which I really enjoy. I'm kind of mm -hmm. a, I like like, um, oh, Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys oh, and that sort of yeah. thing. So just yes. to have to know that that's why I was excited to have you on here, because Super. I know like I'm a Lincoln guy. I've lived here most of my life. Yes. Uh, and I was gone for a while and I came back, but like, it's so gratifying to live in a community that is regarded by most of the world as like a flyover thing. Mm -hmm. Right. right? And, yeah. But to know that, no, actually there's a very vibrant art community here and you're a, a really big part of that. So I'm just thrilled to have you on, man. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate being even mentioned in those two sentences. That's incredible. <laughs> um, I don't even know where, yeah. I mean, the rickshaw thing was, 
you know, it was a pedicab company called me after they saw me singing at windows at retirement communities. And I, and I wanted, I wanted to bring music to the old people that were just basically landlocked and probably watching jeopardy until their eyes fell out. And it's Mm -hmm. like, let's bring something. That's so cool. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of the first step in doing that. And then a pedicab company called me and said, you know, uh, UNL's not even a thing anymore and the games aren't a thing anymore. You know, Mm. can we, what do you think about teaming up? Mm. And I said, sweet, let's do it. And, um, next thing I know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going through the streets singing to people and, (laughs) you know, and, uh, yeah, we took it around to a few more retirement communities and Mm -hmm. seeing them come out on the porch and on their little balconies and stuff was like a French film. I mean, it was the most beautiful thing in the world. Wow. It was like, it was like the very first image of the pandemic, you know, with the guy playing the horn on the, on the porch. Yeah. 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 It was, remember that? that Yeah, I do. Oh my gosh. And then, and that was kind of our little version of that because it was, I mean, Kirsten and I got on our bicycles, rode all the way across town. We're like, yeah. Told the airbow. It's like, come on, let's, let's, Mike's playing on a rickshaw in your neighborhood. Let's figure it out. Cause I remember, I remember you there, man. It was so great to see you guys. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah. and, it, and, and it just took off from there. The, uh, the lead center, for those that don't know, is a huge performing arts um, facility and they put mm-hmm. on shows year round and they got a hold of me and we teamed up with them and started bringing different bands, not just myself. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to hog all the, you know, I wanted it to be diverse and I wanted sure. it to like take on a life of its own. And so we got other bands involved and then we, we tried to, we tried to put multiple people on, on the back of these <laughs> pedicabs that really were built for four, yeah, but because yeah. the guy built a PA system on the pedicab. Oh, that's, wow. That was such a cool rig. That, with the yeah, that was powered. That. Yeah, it was powered by one of these um, cooler company, like uh, solar powered batteries. Oh, yeah. wow. And it lasted like 48 hours. So you could pretty much do anything you want with it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so then we, we, the, the big, the craziest thing we did, we jammed a three piece polka band on the back of that thing. <laughs> oh, I love it. And they, and they went through the streets of Lincoln and did a neighborhood. And so we kind of broke it up into different neighborhoods, but it was killer, man. It was so much fun. And, and, you know, like seeing it come up my own street with this guy named Eddie Brown singing, he stopped in front of my own house and sang for us. And I finally got to feel what it was like Mm. to be like caged away Mm. and with no music, except Mm. our podcasts and our, and our streaming services, Mm -hmm. you know, I finally got to feel live music from my own porch and it was like the most beautiful, like cloud splitting thing ever, you know, that's so cool. You, you perform quite a bit and, and I, like I perform a little bit, so I'm mostly a consumer slash receiver. So for somebody that's usually the one that's producing or playing or entertaining, right. That has to be kind of a nice moment for you. Well, it was incredible. And not only that, to know that I, I kind of started it, that was, yeah. that was, that put a big smile on my face and oh, not yeah. to take, not to take credit, but just to feel like what doing does. No, that's and kind of what your podcast you is all that. about. Yeah. You get to own that. That's awesome. Well, that's Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just, it's about being better, you know, mm-hmm. and like, kind of like what your podcast is all about, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, it's like what, you know, I don't want to just sit around and stew about all this, all these like humongous, like epic pandemic racial tension disease dying all these major things that elections like these things that we're dealing with Mm 
mm-hmm. I, j- I instead just wanted to do something cool, you yeah. know, and yeah. just be like a doer. Yeah. You know, and like and you have done. And to have that yeah. come back to you is right. so cool. Like, you know, like this idea that you threw out there in the world and it, it came back to you. Crazy. That's yeah. Wild. The best, the best letter you could ever send. It comes back, you know? Well, and I, and great. I'm going to, I'm totally going to do the thing where I'm shifting gears, but yeah. I, I am curious because I kind of ran around with you back in the day at UNL. You totally, you're in there. You were one of my favorite people You because you were nice to me. I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never uh, forget yeah. your, your kindness. I will oh, never, my. never in a million years forget your kindness because I was friends with your older brother. Yeah, yeah. And he he was in my class, and you were in a gr- two grades younger, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Maybe three. Yeah. Maybe, I can't remember, but you yeah. were younger. Yeah. And I'll never forget meeting you because, like, I was like, "Oh no way! Like, you're an egger. That's awesome, man. I know your older brother. That's so <laughs> crazy. I want to welcome to the, to the university, and you were just yeah. like super rad. Yeah. You had a great spirit. And I was like, I, and that's, that dude is cool, man. That's crazy to hear, Mike, because I was kind of in my own way at the time. Like I was <laughs> kind of screwing my life. I was on my way to screw my life up. So it's, oh. it, I, you think about it that way at that sure. time. But yeah. I, I mean, I eventually pulled my head out of my ass, but it's cool sure. to hear that, that that's, that was the vibe that I gave off when I was kind of totally locked in my head. I don't know why you would have given that up, but you did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you so, know, it, it but you cool. had a, you had a band at the time, like, what's yeah. what's your history with being a musician like oh, you had dude. what yeah. was the band at the time was that well let me take it back before that and you'll yeah, understand you'll understand you'll understand um so i was born into an extremely musical family mm-hmm. my father was in one of the very first rock and roll bands in nebraska in 1964 wow. called the nomads mm. and they turned it they turned into george harrison being the bumbles and then those that those fellas morphed into a band called the smoke ring and oh, the wow. smoke ring by the time they got to be the smoke ring they were kind of uh pretty nationally known um they had a hit song and were on american bandstand in 1968 oh, cool. and um yeah the history is amazing there um but uh from there um if you looked at my mom's side of the family uh incredible country music history Mm. her older brother toured with Johnny Cash in 1958 Wow! and was on the very first, I guess, version you could say of the Grand Ole Opry. Oh, and wow. so that was the first traveling version of the Grand Ole Opry. And they rolled through Omaha and um, he got the balls to, as a local singer, walk up to Johnny Cash and the crew mm. and say, Hey, I'm a local guy is there any chance that I can sing one song? Mm. And that's like me, literally like me <laughs> finding out guns and roses is playing at the pinnacle bank arena and saying, I'm going not only to the show, but I'm going to walk up to them before the show and say that I'm a singer that, that that's exactly like that. Yeah. You right. know, and it, it was just, and somehow, some way he kept bugging people that night and, yeah. um, and they let him sing one song. And not only did he sing one song, he sang, sang five songs. He had four standing <laughs> ovations. Wow. And, and after, afterwards, Johnny Cash and June Carter took him for a steak and a bottle of wine and said, we want to take you on the road with us. We think wow. you're special. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and they did. They took him on the road and he toured with, uh, it was Johnny Cash, George Jones, Minnie Pearl, mm-hmm. Little Jimmy Dickens, Uncle mm-hmm. Jones, Grandpa Jones, the, all of them. 
all the big, huge names, mini Pearl. I mean, the, the howdy, you know, all the right. old country, country singers. And so he had an incredible career and, and uh, he was one of the only guys I've ever met in my whole life. That's had probably three or four shots at the golden ring. You know how, mm-hmm. like, if you get one, you're like a lucky dude. Mm-hmm. He had like three. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say that, I mean that he was offered a record deal and like a shot at the big time. Yeah. And because he was so in love with his wife and he was so engulfed into having a family, he just couldn't wrap his mind around turning into a musician, like a traveling. Mm. Because if you think about it, George Jones was like the, the quintessential touring musician. He yes. was a mess. He was, he was an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. mess. Right. Like famously. Right. Yes. And right. Like, like pills drinking, you mm-hmm. name it. Like that, like he was riding on the bus with these guys yeah. for, for mm-hmm. about a year. And what happened was they ended up in council bluffs on the tour and this, and I've heard many different stories of this. And I'll tell you just because this is kind of a vital point of why he didn't succeed. He had, he ended up having a mental breakdown um, and he swore up and down that he didn't do pills. And he, but uh, one night um, he, he would party pretty hard with these guys, you know, and, um, and it, one night George Jones had a broken arm and um him and little Jimmy Dickens were in the same hotel room. And mm. it just so happens there was a Murphy bed that folded down from the wall. Right. And, uh, and George Jones was just passed out, wasted drunk on this Murphy bed. And my uncle told the story like this, like he, him and I were having a whiskey and he told me this story and he said, well, little Jimmy Dickens broke out a bottle of white lightning and we start sipping on that. And lo and behold, Jimmy Dickens turned to me and he said, watch this Dick. His name was Dick Allison. And he said, watch this Dick. And he threw that Murphy bed up in the wall with George in it. And he ended up breaking his leg. So he had a broken leg and a broken arm at the same time on tour. Oh and my so, God. yeah. And so the story, it's, it's an incredible, but these stories would pop out of him all the time when we started sipping on whiskey or just hanging out. Mm-hmm. But then the story went and, and he kind of gave me his version and swore up and down. It wasn't pills and booze, but, but, uh, from others i heard that he came out on stage and just kind of froze and then they Mm. found him in his dressing room kind of Mm -hmm. you know and he had a nervous breakdown which Mm -hmm. kind of ended his career for a while Mm -hmm. but if you look at the history of like you know my dad's rock and roll 10 years later and then as i was growing up my uncles and my father were like my heroes Mm -hmm. playing music you know Mm -hmm. they became the 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 uh these incredible heroes to me and so i was as a kid i was like how can i get attention to you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, singing must be it because everybody's yeah. watching them when they do it. Right. You know, <laughs> you know? and so That's I like said, kind, well, of, kind of sounds like me in the theater. I, I, yeah. I, I need to like, I, I don't know if I want to analyze that all the way down the, all the way down the drain, but my parents were sure. in a, you know, a community theater. I'm like, you know, yeah. well, I guess if I'm going to get everybody's attention, I better get on stage. You better get on stage, man. <laughs> people like watching people on stage. Right. And so my stage was a three by three foot piece of linoleum in front of my grandma's front door nice and that became my first stage and i started singing songs with my uncle i sang uh you know elvira mm-hmm. and some eddie rabbit um <laughs> love a rainy some, night love a rainy <laughs> night was my big one of the big hits i sang and i have a tape of it me singing oh, uh, uh the duke's a hazard theme song yes and there's a part in that song where they say um you know your mama can dance uh something 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 and see their see their face on tv the line was something like that i could look it up but but my version as a kid was what i heard and what i sang was 
you know, your mama can dance. She stuck a stick in her pants and threw her <laughs> face in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so it's just, you know, but I have the tape and it's on there. It's great. It's That's beautiful. So great. But I was four years old and, and, and I did that. And so my aunt and my grandmother um, decided that I was a singer. I was a performer. And so they put me on truck beds and state fairs and I toured all over, all over Nebraska when I was four years. Yeah. Four years old as, as a little tiny kid. And I, and I opened up for like Miss Nebraska and like an Elvis impersonator, you know, and like, so you've been performing since you were a toddler, basically. Absolutely. hundred percent. Okay. All right. Yeah. Amazing. And so I started and then all of a sudden we were, I was living in Norfolk at the time. And as you all know, Norfolk Johnny Carson's from Norfolk right Mm -hmm. so my grandmother was friends with him and so he called and wanted me to come to LA to be on the Johnny Carson show and at the time I was just starting school and I was in this like precipice like this this crossroads so to speak of like okay if we're really gonna make him into you know a childhood star Mm -hmm. like Drew Barrymore or you know one of these Mm -hmm. kids Mm -hmm. then we're, we're gonna do it now and my parents decided that school was more important mm. and life in Nebraska was more rooted. And, mm. and so we ended up staying, which is fine, but I still, wow, I didn't yeah. know that Mike, that's crazy. Yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah, okay. we, we never ended up going to LA to, to be on the Carson show, mm-hmm. which you know I still love Johnny Carson to this day. Oh well, yeah. But uh, you know, I ended up, then the eighties happened and mm-hmm. I got, I just threw myself into like Michael Jackson and, and break dancing. Yes. And I, and I started a group yes. called rap attack with my cousin. Are you kidding me? No, that's amazing. No. R a P dash a yes. Dash T a K rap oh. attack rap attack. That's perfect. I had a little rap group with my stepbrother called J and J raps. His name was Johnny and <laughs> J and J raps. That's yeah. badass. But it was, well, no, it wasn't badass because oh, we were, no. because, because my parents <laughs> were like, you know, pastors. So we had to rap about Jesus. And there's oh. a tape, there's a tape somewhere. Oh my God. I'd love it. And I don't, I hope that never surfaces. And oh I, can't I hope it does. I hope it I, does. I want to hear this tape yeah. so bad. <laughs> you still have the parachute pants on his legs, robe hanging down. Can you, can you beg for the bread <laughs> and the wine, man? Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's re. I want to know. Can you still break dance is what I want to know. So here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I, uh, this, you gotta, you gotta remember like, Breaking one had just come out. Okay. This was pre-breaking two electric boogaloo, boogaloo, right? Boogaloo. So I was the kid on the street that just really went for it. Like I, I had a piece of cardboard. I had my own outfit. Oh, wow. I had my yeah. own high top Nikes like yes. uh, that tucked in that rolled up, you know, like it was a, it was a deal. And yeah. um, somebody had the idea of bringing a Michael Jackson impersonator to gateway mall in like 1987 Mm-hmm. And I went and I, and I, in the back of my mind, I was like, this dude is mine. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to take, I, I, and I still remember it. I still, I, to this day, I go, there's hundreds of people here and he's not that good. And, and, and I was like, this did he is have me. A, did yeah. He this have is like me a sequined eight. glove. Oh, he, he, he yeah, looked, they, he looked just like him, dude. Okay. Yeah, That's just amazing. Like him. But his dancing was m- maybe 80% there. Mm-hmm. So I straight up wormed my way to the front and I, and I, and I raised my hand and I said, dude, you got to get me up on stage. And he goes, Oh, little man, little man. And I was really short. I still am. I'm, I'm a shorter guy. Yeah. Little man wants to show us his moves. 
he gets me on stage and I have photographs of this. Oh, please. And he kept me on stage for the rest of the show. Like, and it was like half of the show. And, and afterwards we kind of became friends and like, like it became this, like he wanted me to go with him kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And yeah, I don't like, he must've been thinking like, Oh my God, who is this kid? <laughs> and so that's how into it I was. You were the, okay. Cause yeah. would you say like, Oh, the eighties came along and you know, break dancing. And I kind of no. was like, no. I would put on my penny loafers and try to do yeah. Michael Jackson stuff in right. my kitchen. Yeah. I did I would did not have the stones to say, hey, Michael yeah. Jackson impersonator. I got I know. I know. know right. It's stupid. And I still think about it now, just going, well, that was the biggest thing ever. Everybody wanted to do the worm. Everybody backspinned. Yes. Everybody kind of, you know, could do the, you know, mm -hmm. uh, moonwalk or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was like this, like I made money doing it. Like I would, mm -hmm. I, half of my show was country music. The first half, I would come out in a cowboy hat and a vest mm -hmm. and I'd sing Eddie Rabbit and Kenny Rogers and whatever else. And then I'd take a break. And then all of a sudden I would press play and like CNC music factory would pop on and I'd come out and just like melt faces at like, at like the, uh, at like the, you know, the Ord County fair or whatever. Dude. That's what I was going to ask is where did you do Yeah, this Where show? did you do this? Yeah. I mean, it was all over. It was weird places. Um, County like how fairs. old were you? Were you like late teens? No, I never did it that late. Cause it kind of got cheesy by the, by, by the time I got 13 or 14, it got really weird. So and, you, and was, you're like, parents would drive you out or what'd that look like? How what were the, the logistics yeah. of doing that? Your folks? Yeah. My aunt, my, mostly my aunt, my aunt would like drive me around in this huge red Cadillac convertible that she had. Perfect. And uh, yeah, of course, <laughs> like how else are you going to arrive <laughs> Right? And, you know, yeah. with it, with a zipper jacket and a headband, yeah. you know, and you um, fit the whole stage in the trunk of one of those things. So yeah, yeah for it's sure. For sure. And I had a whole thing, man. I had a boom box. I had the, the, the pre like the taped show and, and I'd come out, I have live video, dude. This is gonna This is crazy. It was the, um, in oh, let's, I'm going to get this wrong. It was the Czech festival Wilbur. In, Wilbur? In, in Wilbur. That's yeah. it. Nice. in wilbur nebraska and these people are serious about this right. stuff oh like they, yeah they, that's they real. crown yeah they crown like a czech queen mm -hmm. and it's like a legit thing mm -hmm. somehow i weaseled my way onto the roster and i come out and i do billy jean i do one song i do the whole thing exactly the way it was done on the grammys oh and God. and uh i have video of like the front row of these older checks like these women watching me like crotch grab and spin around and it's beyond, it is beyond insane. Oh yeah. You have to give whatever you have, send it to me after we're done. Cause I'm going to blow this up on the oh, Instagram. Dude. Uh, I'm, I'm like seriously really curious. Like how did, like how did you book those gigs? Yeah. Like, well, like, I don't really, you, what did that I didn't like? know, you know, um, did you just I mean, not I've, know any better and just start calling people or what? It's a good question. Um, unfortunately, my aunt's no longer with us and I don't, and, and I don't know. I, okay. I don't, I have a feeling that I have a feeling that, um, that that particular one, my mom had a connection in Alliance and knew and knew somebody that was going to be there. Sure. But, but the other ones, I think she just straight up called or mm. letter or sent a letter and said, we've got this, seven-year-old kid that's just electrifying and he does half country half michael jackson you're gonna love it and right. and what like what, pers it. 
what person in 1987 is going to turn like, that down, turn that yeah. down. Right. Right. He does the Oak Ridge boys and then turns right around and does. Beer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Turns right around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, who is this? That's I a mean, slam dunk. Yeah. I've got pictures of like Miss, Miss Nebraska and just like cuddling up with these gorgeous ladies. And that's like, amazing. it was fantastic. It was like, you know, but I always think about like, if, if I continued to do it that way, I probably would have turned out like one of these childhood stars. I always mm-hmm. wonder about that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like but if you, um, if you would have gone to the Carson, Carson show. It yeah. Might, yeah. And yeah. lived a life in LA as like a childhood yeah. actor or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But like, um, I don't, I don't know what that's like. You both have kids and like, if, if you had a, I mean, your kids are, are finding out who they are and they're interested right. in stuff. And you'd like, once they find that thing they love to do, yeah. how do you deny your kid? Like, right. You know, I love to perform, but I always had some weird, like stage fright stuff too. It doesn't sound like you had any of that or no, you don't like have any zero. of that now for sure. Well, it was, it was like, I remember going out on stage and just being like, this is where I belong. Mm-hmm. Like that was my, in my mind. I, I, when I got off stage, I felt more uncomfortable mm-hmm. because people, people started asking me questions about stuff. And then I was just like, well, I, I don't know, but if you watch my show, you'll, you'll know, Yeah, you know, and it was yeah. just kind of a weird, that's, that's yeah. actually a really great answer to that question. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, if you exactly. watch my show, you'll see everything you need to know. Yeah, that's, that's all you need to know, yeah. man. I don't want to talk. I want to rock. <laughs> I want to moonwalk. <laughs> I want to moonwalk. Well, that's kind of why exactly. I was asking you that, Joel or Mike, because Joel, you kind of brought it up as like my kids are, you know, starting to get preteen and that, and they're talented and artistic. And we're trying to navigate this insane landscape of sure. um all of the opportunities opportunities that are available to somebody that wants to self-publish like two loudmouth guys that start a podcast right you know <laughs> guilty as charged right yeah. you know yeah because like they're wanting to like do a youtube channel and do mm, whatever right. and, and tiktok videos yeah and, yeah, and yeah. we're like mm. it's all it's now everybody's the star now i mean it's like you know and that's kind of cool because like you want I, I feel like people like that feeling of like being in front of the camera you know, or mm-hmm. in the spotlight. Sure. That's a, that's a feeling. That's a feeling. Some people really, it scares them, but for, for a lot of folks that that's a great, and now it's way more accessible with like, mm. you mentioned YouTube and TikTok and all this stuff. It's mm. uh, I mean, I, you know, I've got my own studio in my house. I can record records, you know, it's yeah. like, wow, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. So it's way more accessible, but so, yeah. So like when, by the time I got to be a teenager, that sort of the, that faded away, the girls came, you know, I was okay. Yes. Girls, girls are awesome. Sure. Um, and then I fell in love with basketball and I started playing basketball and ended up, you know, uh, challenging myself as a five foot five senior to start varsity. And I totally did. And nice. like that, all that stuff is just like, you know, artillery for how I live my life now. Mm. It's like, if somebody says you can't do something, you know, that, that is just, that's the greatest for me. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, oh. you, to- you totally can, man. <laughs> for sure. So did, was, did you go, I'm curious. So like when, when, when girls started to enter the picture where you're like, well, they like rock and roll and that's when I'm going to start playing rock and roll or, you know, what? yeah, no, actually, uh, yeah, th- the rock and roll was a thing for me, but way later, like, yeah. uh, not until I got into college, was that a thing? Girls that I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I was still moving around like dances. I was the kid that kind of took the center stage and people yes. surrounded them and yes. did stupid stuff for a while. 
and, and girls just love that uh, yeah. to, to, in my world they did you know yeah, uh, i think and, girls just love guys that are confident to go out and do that i think yeah. you're right yeah confidence yeah. is attractive sure right. and then to, still silly enough to like break out the you know do these dance weird dance right. moves uh, you yeah. know in front of their classmates you know right. like, sure. who who is this guy like what the hell well, is so, that? somebody that's right. somebody that's willing to sort of put themselves out there and doesn't give a shit is no. really it's really infectious yeah. to be around whether yeah. they're attracted to it's just like somebody that's that's just yeah. willing to and it sounds like that's never been a problem for you <laughs> Uh, like, no, it hasn't. And I'm not bragging, but it just, it, it, I always danced like nobody was watching, yeah, you know? Right. And it was, it was, I was always in my own world with that. Mm -hmm. And then, and later in life, like when I 15, 16, it just never really fell off. It just became kind of dorky, um, to, to do that. Yeah. And so, um, so then I discovered theater and mm. that was kind of the same thing. It was like, yeah, right. Wow. We're like in front of people still. I can, st I mean, I, I got cast in the role in this show called The Nerd. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a great high school play uh, done by a lot of high schools. Mm -hmm. um, and I was cast in that. And I then I discovered how I could make people laugh. Oh, And that was that. just another element to yeah. being a performer. It was like, you have the control now yeah. to not only control your own show, but like to make somebody feel something. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge revelation for me. Yeah. Yeah. That, you never like, look back after that. There's, there's nothing like that. No, you know? no. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't. And um, regardless of the fact that I nearly died on stage from eating a hard boiled egg. Um, <laughs> wait, yeah. Wait, wait. Stop right there. Um, what's that? What's that story? So, please? okay. So, <laughs> and I, I still want to find out who was responsible for this, but there's a scene in the show where, the nerd has to like mow down like 10 hard boiled eggs. Mm -hmm. And I, I hate egg, like hard boiled eggs, first of all. I mean, I can eat them now for like holidays and stuff, but like then I just, just, I just couldn't stand yeah. it. Somebody accidentally put the tray of hard boiled eggs in the freezer instead of the fridge. Oh no. And so they're um, like, they're like pool balls. They were like semi hard. Yeah. They were like halfway frozen. Okay. And so I'm just like down and I'm jamming it in my talk hole. And I'm just like, holy God, I'm not going to be able to swallow this brick of madness. God. Right. Yeah. It's, and so I tried and literally try I'm in character as the nerd, mm -hmm. but here I am like literally like almost dying, trying to let my co-part know I'm actually choking on stage. Yeah. Like doing the, yeah, doing the choking. Like, yeah. Funny. And I, yeah, I, and I know breathe right now. Yeah. And I know the person must've thought like, well, that wasn't in the blocking. That wasn't <laughs> right. That, this is not part of the show. What are Mike's you going rogue, man? Yeah, what? Mike's just being crazy again. <laughs> uh, but I literally uh, somehow ended up getting past that scene and, and I still don't know. And I walked off the stage and I just started like screaming oh, yeah. at, at, I was like, who did that? Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like I'm, uh, yeah, it was just bizarro, but, yeah. but that was, that was a high school production of the nerd for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that was all part of like the, the whole thing, you know? And I really kind of may, I didn't have like a, a one group of friends. I was mm -hmm. like the, I was like the every man, you know, yeah, the chameleon. Uh, yeah that, that yeah, that kind of like if the Hessians came up and wanted to talk about metal music, I could do that because I knew about that. Mm -hmm. My older brother loved 
those bands, Metallica mm-hmm. and all those great bands. Mm-hmm. Or, or if I, you know, if, if, if the jocks came up, I could talk sports and be that guy for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, or if the theater people wanted to talk Shakespeare and that kind of thing. I knew that kind of thing. Right. So I just right. fit in everywhere. And yeah. I was kind of like, you know, and it also, a big part of that was that we trained racehorses as uh, when I was in high school. And so I bounced around to a few different high schools. Ah. And so I was able to make friends very quickly because of that. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta learn how to adapt. I mean, we yes. I moved a few times, you kind of got to learn how to, how to, who, who to, who to, who to fit in with, who, who, right. who are the people that are doing fun stuff and right. you know, yeah. Like, and it was a how, quick, how to survive. Really. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it was a quick adaptation when you're, when you're 15, 16, those, I mean, those emotions in high school are all about your friends and what yeah. group you're in. They're so segregated. Mm-hmm. and uh, f- somehow I was able to bounce around and really navigate that very well, mm-hmm. thankfully. And I think even now that's kind of why I'm a social butterfly. And I kind of, you know, I love, uh, you know, meeting and talking to different people and, yeah. and that, that really played over into my, my older years for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I remember working on a show with you, I think with Mary, didn't she direct that? She that, did that, that show of, uh, yeah. What was that sleeping beauty or something? It's called Briar Rose. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it was, I yeah. was so, I was so in my own, in my cups that I quit that show. Oh, and crazy. Where was that? Yeah. And I quit yeah. that show. I had to make amends to her and now, you know, yeah. now yeah. we work together. It's so crazy. Sure. Sure. I know it's like these different times in your lives, man. It's like, you know, um, but my, when I got out of high school, like I joined my first year of college, I didn't even know if I wanted to do theater. I mm-hmm. was just kind of like, oh, well, these people are on stage. They seem cool. Right. Right. And then, um, I met a guy that he's like, Hey, I heard you're a percussionist. Mm. And I was like, yes, I, I, uh, I played, I played drums and, mm-hmm. um, never owned a drum set. I always would drum on my desk in high school and stuff. And, um, and he's like, well, we're, we're starting a punk band and we need a drummer. And I go, dude, I, I don't know what punk music is. <laughs> and, but, but I, but I said that kind of half-assed being like, I kind of know what metal music is. I know what, I know what hard music is, mm-hmm. and, but I wasn't quite totally sure what punk meant, right. you know? Yeah. And they, these dudes, uh, they took me under their ring, the, under their wing, uh, Luke Rustmeyer. I don't know if you remember Luke. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. Luke. Yeah. Yeah. He was a fellow that, that, that studied at the university for a while, but he was like totally out of place, like total greaser with his hair slicked back, like wore white cigarettes rolled up in his t-shirt. Yes. Yes. You know, I mean, just the guy that wanted to be in acting school just to be a movie star. Right. You knew, you knew that he, that's what he wanted. Right. And so he's like, yeah, I'm a singer in a punk band and we, we, our drummer quit and he's going to college and wherever. And and we need, we need a drummer. And so I, I auditioned and and, uh, at the time, I was actually studying to go to New York to be a part of Stomp, which uh, oh, the, per- the percussion right. company Stomp. Yeah. I and, remember this. Yeah. And so I went out to New York on a cattle call audition. There was like 7,000 that auditioned. Yeah. And I, I got down to the last 14 people mm. and they, and they offered me the job to tour Asia. Um, and it would have been incredible. It was like $1,400 a week. Mm-hmm. And um no, I'm sorry, not 1400. It was $4,000 a week. And it was a shitload of money. It was yeah. a lot of money. And, um, I was like, wow, we could do this. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, in my final audition in the back of my mind, I kept thinking like, okay, I, I just met my, a girlfriend. I had this great girlfriend. 
who's now my wife. Mm. And uh, I've got this punk band that offered me a gig. Uh, I'm in school, you know, and here again, my earlier life plays again. It's mm. like everything that draws you back to home kind of haunts you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so I ended up, uh, you know, not getting cast, but they took seven out of the last 14 and I just missed it. But, mm. and I, and I'm so thankful now. I think I would have, yeah, right. I would have destroyed my body. Yeah. That, I, but. And that, and that kind of road life is no joke. I mean, the money is great, right, but right. the touring is hardcore, especially it was, like that. It was a boatload of yeah. just, uh, yeah, just pressing on your body and beating mm -hmm. on your own body and legs. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, but it was so cool. The experience. Cause I was a huge Luke Cresswell. He was like kind of an idol of mine. He started stomp in the streets of England mm -hmm. and he was like sitting right in front of me during my final oh, wow. audition. So that was like just crazy, you know? Yeah. But, um, well, yeah, Kirsten and I were talking about just like those 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 forks in the road like that, yeah, yeah, where right. if you have if you have a sense of like who you are, where you're at, whether that's spiritually or not, but like that those those choices are there's like <laughs> I'm gonna talk about the multiverse with Mike Simrad, but it's like you know <laughs> yeah. all of those opportunities could have gone all those different ways, and we're on this trip totally. for, for a re there's a reason why we're yeah. in this particular configuration of events. You're you absolutely know? right. You're absolutely right, and it and it's the choice of what feels the best, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like what what step two with this choice that we're about to you know it's like a choose your own adventure. Mm. Life is a choose your own adventure book. For sure. It really, it really is. And like, for me, I was just blessed with making the right decisions. Cause I, yeah. I guarantee just like you fellows, you easily could have taken the wrong decision or made the wrong decision. Have I, done I, that yeah, a couple yeah, times. Actually. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And I have too, but not so drastically that it just threw, well, yeah, me, it's threw like, me off the course, you know, the universe, whatever sort of pulls you back and gives sure. you plenty of opportunity to come back mm -hmm. to, yep. you know, the, the, the right mm -hmm. order of things maybe. For sure, well, for sure. And Mike, you're obviously a person that is looking for opportunity, rather than not you. you Always, like you, yeah. you see yeah. opportunity as opposed to just seeing obstacles. And if there is an obstacle, then that's an opportunity somehow. Mm -hmm. You're 100 percent right. Mm -hmm. That's that's amazing you say that because that's that's absolutely correct. And I've always, no matter what, I've always, um, I've always taken what comes to me as a as a uh, a tool. Uh, but in, in, in just kind of like, okay, well now I have that. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like running a marketing company now, I never in a million years thought I would do that. Mm. But I, but I take these, that's uh, uh, red rebel media. Is that red correct? rebel? Me yeah. Red rebel media. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a tool, it's a toolbox for me. Mm -hmm. um, I use the stuff that I own to, to do other stuff. Like I, mm -hmm. I can help a nonprofit mm -hmm. organization um, with a live stream. And then I turn around and I, create music with that same equipment mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. it's like uh you know video cameras i buy i use for other projects that are super fun and kick-ass and mm -hmm. and most of the stuff i do is fun and kick-ass anyway yeah it is but but it's just it's it's like you know i just use it and you're totally yeah. right you're totally right like really whatever comes down that road it's yeah. like use it for sure so yeah. it's just kind of like with the punk band it's like hey you want to play drums in a punk band you're like yeah, of course. Like, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Of course I do. Yeah. I look I looked at him and I said, I think I think I do. And he, and then was, was that Rocket FM? So it started out as a band called Hoot Nanny. Oh, Hoot Nanny. Yep. Yeah. And it was yep. a straight up like yep. hardcore two four to the ground punk band, like like really crushing punk. Straight mm -hmm. up, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh straight straight ahead. 
And I could do that shit. I mean, that's like playing polka music just faster. Right. It you is. Know? That's actually, you know? yeah, polka perfect. is punk. P- yeah, punk is polka. Know? It's so true. Or even country music. I mean, the faster yeah. you make it, it turns into punk rock. That's awesome. And so, distortion so, on yeah. It. And yeah. I was already into country music and bluegrass from my uncles. And I love that. And so the, mm-hmm. the Appalachian mountains became punk rock to me. That was like mm. totally it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all you just, all you did was distort your guitars and then you just screamed a little harder and it became punk rock. Sure. It was like, <laughs> dude, awesome. I, I, I got to tell yeah. you, I recently was kind of loaned an accordion. I've never had one before, mm. but I play a little piano and, and yes. I, I love the accordion. Yeah. I, 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 if I had endless amounts of time, that's all I would do was just oh, master that thing because it's, 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 it's just this bizarre anachronism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of, of like we have electronic keyboards and a piano and some guitars, but this accordion where it's like the, the movement and the, the wind yeah. and the right. squeezing and the reeds and the chords and, yeah. and it's in stereo and yeah. it's just, <laughs> I just, like you all this talk about polka i'm like fuck yeah i've got an accordion bitch. oh man do it do <laughs> it polka. and thank just 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 pray that none of those bevels go you know that none of those pop or break because well, like, i'm very, being real gentle with it because like, it's, it's yeah. not mine it's kind of okay. on loan yeah. and uh so yeah. i'm i'm being real gentle with it because i it's, yeah. that's the other thing about it it's 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 a very kind of delicate thing it is mm. yeah it is. so anyway I digress. nobody I just, nobody fixes nobody fixes them well that's the other thing is i can't find much information on it. i mean there's some youtube yeah. videos but it's uh yeah there's like three people in the whole world that fix them i believe it's, that. it's crazy yeah really yeah so anyway it just feels it just feels it putting it on and strapping it on it makes you yeah. feel like okay it, it's tying back to something yes that doesn't really exist anymore which right. is kind of a shame you know? And that's well, that sound when you hear it, you know, you kind of, yeah, it just takes me back. Like, uh, you know, I was, uh, my, my family going four generations back was from Abbey, Nebraska, which is like 15, 20 miles outside of Wahoo. Okay. And, and they're super Czech, super uh-huh. Czech family, you know? Mm. And, uh, my, my father and I went and walked around some graveyards in Abbey and found all of our relatives and, mm. and he, and he gave me the lowdown cause he's a total historian buff and, we stopped at the local uh, bakery there in Abbey and, and had some incredible uh, kolaches and, oh, and, uh, and just, uh, and, and they, they sell Budweiser from Czech. It's the Budweiser, mm. um, Czechoslovakian Budweiser. And uh, so we got two beers for the road and we, you know, illegally drove down the road drinking beers yes. and, and ate some kolaches, but, but uh, yeah. <laughs> great day. That's oh man. Day. Great day. Great day. I tell you. So, Oh, to answer your question, hoot nanny turned into uh um m80 and then m80 turned into rocket fm okay yeah and by the time we got into rocket fm we were we were pretty artsy we we got a little more mathy with the beats yeah uh they kind of you know turned to more a little more fugazi ish yeah um and uh and then from there i moved to chicago and that took me that took me to chicago and unfortunately my band sort of didn't come with me and the goal, the, the idea was that they would eventually, but they did not. They were two graphic designers that ended up staying here mm-hmm. uh, in Nebraska. And I mm-hmm. don't blame them. I don't blame right. them. Chicago, Chicago was a pretty, pretty interesting um, place. You know, it was a big cultural shock for me. Yeah. And uh, it took me about a year to acclimate to Chicago yeah. to really fall into the mode of it. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's a, it's like, yeah. I mean, 
it takes a year when you move anywhere, especially mm-hmm. when you're, I think when you come from the Midwest, like when I lived yeah. in LA, I don't think I got my sea legs until I was there a year, you know? Oh take, man. Yeah. yeah. LA is even crazier. I think. Yeah. yeah. Just with the driving and everything. Yeah. And yeah. the, you know, the, the, the subway system was new and, and, you know, everything was super new, but I, you know, I was really lucky like early on. Um, I had some super shitty jobs. My first job, I worked for the mob literally uh okay. it was a place called the chicago center for performing arts and uh, <laughs> and it was totally ran by uh a, an italian family uh whose father was the police chief and i was a bartender and i i uh, occasionally would find um stacks of a hundred dollar bills with cta wrapped around them and uh, okay and i'd say oh uh um tony what what's this and oh i'll take that i'm sorry yeah. it shouldn't be in there yeah that should be in an envelope yeah <laughs> and uh, Richard Dreyfus would make an appearance once in a while. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And um, and uh, uh, Frankie Avalon was the oh, wow. the, the yeah. uncle of Tony that okay. owned. Okay. So he'd come in. We hey Frankie, how you doing? Uh huh. So yeah. And then my second job, I got out of that uh, job, and I my second job was working for a music shop that sold uh, drugs out the back door. So that was okay, like nice. you know. So yeah. So it was a kind of a welcome to the city type deal. Yeah. Um, you know, and, that, and that's when you got, yeah. you didn't, when you moved there, you guys didn't have your kiddos yet. Have you? No, no, no. Okay. We didn't have any kids. No. And, um, we ended up having kids there like maybe, uh, seven years into living there. But, mm-hmm. and then I've luckily like bl- I'm blessed because I luckily fell in, in, uh, into a job at the old town school of folk music. Oh, wow. And no now kidding. the old, the old town school of folk music is like an institution in Chicago. It's been around since 1940 two i believe hmm. and it was started by a guy named win Strachey in his living room hmm. and, it, and then it then it went to a larger venue and then it ended up at the old chicago library on the north side mm-hmm. and um and they were originally on armitage and i that they uh it was like a, you know john prine would play there and steve goodman hmm. would play there and hmm. joan Baez, wow. and um you know and uh you know and i've I, i've i've sold a guitar to arlo guthrie you know wow. and like crazy shit you know yeah um, so all these people would come into the guitar shop. I started in the guitar shop and then I ended up teaching, um, guitar and comic book illustration to the kids. And that became my job. <laughs> but, um, but it was just like insane. People would come in and, uh, you know, like Arlo came in and was like, man, this guitar is awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, it is, man. It's super cool. I think I want to buy it. Yeah, you totally should. You should. <laughs> I think I'm going to, I'm not playing at my show tonight okay man that's great and he totally did and he played it at the, the show later that's that an night. easy sell you're just yeah. like yeah you you can and you totally yeah. should buy this yeah. you're fucking arlo guthrie bro arlo you guthrie. can do that you can you're, do that your Please dad's do that. you're yeah like <laughs> you can do all that and his mustache was just uncomfortably hanging over his mouth and nice. yeah it was just great that place changed my life though because mm. i i then became completely engulfed and saturated with bluegrass and old timey music Mm. and you know people would play there uh like doc watson and uh richard thompson and Mm. like all these incredible people would you know i would like walking down the hallway and i'd hear this just treacherous noise coming from a warm-up room and it was joan Baez. you know all these (laughs) just crazy things happened to me there you know and and that and that kind of threw me into uh, what, what I would call Americana music. Cause I yeah. came from, I came from Michael Jackson mm-hmm. to early hip hop to country music 
into punk rock and now here we are with folk music and now mm. that became like americana to me yeah. right mm -hmm. yeah. so that so then i started a band in chicago called haywood yards and we put out a couple records mm -hmm. and and i think we were just a little bit ahead of our time and i'm not mm. bragging again mm. i'm not bragging mm -hmm. i i sent our record to a guy named garth fundus who discovered garth brooks and trisha yearwood and all these huge names he uh he was a friend of my father's and he goes, I really like the sound, uh, Mike, but I just don't get it. And this was oh. probably 2004 or five. Mm -hmm. And um, I think around 2006 or seven, uh, Mumford and Son hit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly our sound. Same thing. Really? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. We had a banjo player from India who grew up playing the sitar. And wow. his fing fingers were about three feet long. And he would just play the banjo like it was nothing. Wow. And then you add rock music behind it mm -hmm. and fiddle in front of that. Yeah. And it became this sound that nobody, it was like rock music with a banjo. Yeah. And which, which, which for yeah. a few years after that was all you could find. It was that's, huge. Yeah. That's everything. It was everywhere. And in 2000, yeah. And like we just, I guarantee if I would have sent it to him a year later, he would have been like, all this, over is it. <laughs> this is hot. This is hot. Yeah. I think yeah. that thing of like, I just don't get it. Like, that's, I think one of the worst things you could probably hear is like an artist from somebody oh, yeah. you're presenting to is like, I don't know. It's, yeah. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. What do you, what do you want to get out of it? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kinda... Hmm. I'm sorry. Well, it's not like everything else. Yeah. Right. But... Yeah. Get into a bathrobe, put your slippers on, <laughs> lay on a bed and then undo the robe and then roll out of bed and dance around to it. There you go. Then you'll get and, it. And then maybe you'll get it. Right. <laughs> you know, like, what, yeah. like, what are you supposed to well, say? To me, yeah, that, right. it, that Steve, you're totally right. Harkens yeah, back to, to, you know, the Elvis Presley story when he's auditioning. I think it's for the Grand Old Opry and they told him to go back to driving a truck. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same kind of moment. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Super weird, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, you know, and, and all these strange uh, moments in time and, and just, I feel like that's kind of, where you, what you need to do, you got to be at the right place at the right time. And sometimes you just kind of miss that rotating door a little bit. Mm, and that mm -hmm. I chalked it up to that. Sure. I'm still, I'm, we're sitting on a double album that we never released with that mm. band. And I, and I, really? I still think to this day, it's one of the greatest things I've ever done. You have, uh, and you have all of it recorded. It's all, it's ready. all done. It's all, it's all done. It's ready to come out. The only reason we didn't release it was because my banjo player had a, he married a girl um, and she got a job in the Middle East mm -hmm. and he moved to the Middle East and mm -hmm. they've been in uh, Qatar ever since mm -hmm. um, probably, oh, I think 2012, mm. something like that. But uh, yeah, he moved to Qatar and, and, and we just kind of disbanded and I moved to Lincoln. I moved back home. Was that you move? You moved back to Nebraska not long after that? Right. Yeah. Right. Right around that same time. Yeah. And, and I remember, and I just want to, I just want to like toot your hooter for a second um, <laughs> that you're one of those folks that like you came back to Chicago, you had a family already, but you didn't. Oh, to Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. To oh, Nebraska. yeah back yeah. to Nebraska. You came back to Nebraska and you were like, yeah. you didn't, you didn't slow down at all. Well, like because, you, and I, the reason being is because I felt like I missed out on 10 years mm -hmm. of not, not being able to create in a place that was nurturing. Hmm. And that's, that's Chicago, totally true. That's totally Chicago true. didn't feel nurturing to you. No, never, hmm. never. And I will full heartedly say 
that the reason scenes don't take off in Chicago more than they mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. is because bands do not work together. They compete. Oh, and, yeah. and it's a, it's a travesty. It's an yeah. absolute shame right. because we would play a great show with people and make friends with them that night. And we would be like, dude, this was great. Let's get like three more bands next week or two weeks from now and do it again. Let's mm-hmm. build on this and use each other's fan base. Mm-hmm. And they all looked at me like I was an alien. Mm. And I don't know if it was the Nebraska nice in me or what. Yeah. I don't get it. I well, don't that's get the, it. But, but I mean, like, you know, it from, wasn't that we sucked. Our band didn't right. suck. But I, but like, you know, when I, I've kind of got a, a, a an obsession with the early 90s Seattle scene and I've watched oh, a yeah. few documentaries and i've just paid attention to that but name five of those bands right soundgarden allison chains pearl jam nirvana mud honey all of those bands were all they knew they knew they knew each other and they supported each other and they were in each other's bands and that's right and or in athens georgia or in you know any of those san francisco in the 60s it was all like you know there was there was a scene because they supported each other that you're right it's kind of a bummer that that's that that's but that's how the scene starts yeah. And when, so when I moved back home to Nebraska, I instantly started seeing people that I knew again. I, I ran into Gerardo Meza from the Mescal mm-hmm. brothers. Yeah, He's yeah. like, Hey man, Amazing. you back in town? Killer. I ran into Gunter Volker from Jack hotel. Hey, yeah. Oh sweet man. You're back here. You live here. Uh, I ran into multiple other like people from ahead of femur that had yeah. moved to Chicago that moved back. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, you're back in Nebraska too. Killer. We should do something. And then finally Gerardo turned to me one night and he said, dude, you should just start a record label. Mm. And I was like, brilliant idea. Cause that's a guaranteed way to bring people together. Right. Exactly. Like it's like you could have, like we started doing festivals called Sower Fest, S-O-W-E-R. Mm-hmm. And it was Sower Records started. And, mm-hmm. and it was a community of musicians that came together and said, we're going to do this together. And it turned into this incredible, um, old timey Americana scene and, yeah. and folk rock and all kinds of great stuff. Yeah. yeah. And what, a, and what a supportive community and this, like, yeah. I mean, the other thing about a scene and what I witnessed with, with, with you all is that, you know, you, you got people come to the show, you know, people go like yeah. right yeah. now, obviously, unfortunately, right. which, right. you know, but like, you know, you, you, you know, these people, like, I know you, it's like, yes, let's go yeah. see Mike's band. Let's go see yeah. Mike Perry's band. Like, right. And that's outside know. of the scene outside of this the scene that we're talking about the the community here yeah. supports it right and they embrace it and they want to see you su- succeed right and that is so much different than chicago right like people because you think give, you yeah. think of those places and i tell my students this you think of these places where you're like yeah there's you know there's like when i lived in la we'd drive i mean i lived a stone's throw from the disney lot from the yeah. you know uh, uh what other lot warner brothers lot was right oh, over yeah. there in burbank but it's like you drive by these places. And it's like, yeah, the movie studios are right there, but you, you couldn't be further away from them. Yes. Right. It's like, there's no access to that. You don't right. just go there. You can't just yeah. do that, you know, it's like and, a military base. Yeah. Right. But being right. in a community that supports it, even if it's not some big city, it, yeah. that's way more valuable. Oh, tons. You know? Yeah. When I moved back here, I couldn't believe how easy it was. And to answer your question, that's why yeah. I hit the ground running quick. Because right. I, I knew that I felt for five of the 10 years I was in Chicago that I just kind of wasted it. Mm. I mean, I, I, I was just, kind of, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I had wonderful experiences in Chicago, right. but art, art, artistically, I felt like, man, I, I'm, 
I need to make up so much time. Mm. And I still feel that way. And I think the urgency in me has always been that way. Mm. Um, to be just, just to be like, you know, life is so awesome when you just do. And, mm. and, you know, and sometimes I think I, I overdo it because I do a lot of stupid <laughs> shit, you know, and well, like, uh, like your, um, like your Saturday morning, uh, oh, shit. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> your exactly. filter. Oh, Steve, you don't know about this, do you? Yeah. Now my ears are perking up every Not Saturday morning, been, but like, what is this? Mike gets his phone out <laughs> and gets on Snapchat and get, uses these filters and creates these characters. Oh, drives his wife insane. Oh, don't or Carrie, me. we love you, Carrie. Oh, she's tormented. I feel so bad about it. <laughs> but everybody, they love it though. Mike. They love it. <laughs> just, just for his. I mean, yeah. So, but it's, it's don't ever stop doing that. It's an addiction, though, man. Because you know, I started that <laughs> as a fluke. I did like five of them. Yeah. And I did like cooking with Carol. Yeah. I did, um, I miss you, Harold. And I did, yeah. I had like a few really solid characters. Yeah. And then finally people on, on my threads were like, oh my God, these are just like the greatest thing. They're making me so happy during the pandemic. They really and I'm were. Like, and I'm like, fuck, I can't stop this. <laughs> I told you this. Why, I was like, why would you stop it? Like, yeah. Why I don't know. Well, just for, just to save my soul, like <laughs> to, to, to not, I mean, it's just sucking a little. You like have to spend a little bit of your soul every time. It's like it, yeah. you have to put a okay. coin of your soul in the slot. No, I mean, it's but, not terrible. But you're making I, people happy. Yeah. You're making, trust, trust me, guys. I love it. I, I really do. But when I wake up Saturday morning after a full days, like a full week's work, and I'm like, oh, man, I got to I gotta do this. I forgot. And, and th that mindset of like jumping in, almost being frightened by them being shitty uh, totally makes them better. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I mean, and I, and that just, it's like, uh, it's, it's like the dragon that just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> Dude, well, and then, and then politically, politically, you've got all these crazy bozos in our town you that like that own bowling alleys and, and refuse oh to wear gosh. masks. And, oh my and gosh. so there's a character I created. He owns a bowling alley and he has these events. Last week's event was a kissing contest with peanut butter. And, and he, and, and he's like, come on down to the bowling alley. We're going to have a kissing contest with peanut butter. It starts at seven o'clock. The winner gets 50 bucks. <laughs> Don't wear your mask. That's stupid. Get over it. You know? And it's just like, it's just like these uh. cra like crazy characters just erupt out of, pure ignorance in our yeah. lives right now well you get you away know? i mean and like to dissect it you get away with saying all kinds of shit because you oh, totally i've created these zany characters you oh, know yeah. yeah it's just like and, and yeah. they are literally and i told you this they are my adult saturday morning <laughs> cartoons they literally are <laughs> i like have my coffee i'm in my jammies like mike did some more cartoon but you know it's oh just like, man i have so much fun doing them and i just love that people love them i love that you love them dude they're great and and you know it it has become an obsession uh I, wa I literally watch throughout my week. I pick up on people's like doings throughout the week. And I go, yeah. oh, that's totally going to become a character. <laughs> you know, like during the Trump campaign, like oh, there, yeah. there's oh, a lot you, of material out there. Oh, there is. man. I just read the I read the local newspaper thread and I'm like, that guy's getting it. <laughs> there's that lady's. She's totally a character. That's like awesome. there's a character named Karen and she's, yes. of course, She's like, she is a, a Karen. She's a straight up mom. That's always scared. And she's always just like, I don't know what's happening to my husband. 
<laughs> like like she's just so worried about like his obsession with Trump and and his buddies drinking uh you know like um hot damn and you know all this like <laughs> you know and it's just hilarious so man fun. but it's just you know it's it's a it's something that that keeps it light you know I yeah. like to keep it light I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Soa Records and and talk about um, where 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 in the hell did you get the nuts to invite Willie Nelson and Neil okay. Young? Sure, I got to know a little bit about that before we end. Yeah, I know we're kind of over time, but uh, um, I will I'll I'll make it quick. So so the Keystone XL pipeline, which many people know, is a a very uh, ugly um, pipeline that's that's. Uh, that Canada, a company in Canada, Trans Canada is, Trans -Canada yeah. is, is trying to place through the dirt in America mm -hmm. and run uh, a product through America, uh, down South overseas to, to profit somebody else and not America. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a very and ugly, risk our ugly, water supply. Yes. And, yeah, and, and, it run, and it runs straight over the Ogallala aquifer, which many people know is our, uh, one of the very biggest fresh, uh, bodies of water that, that feed our crops and cattle in mm -hmm. Nebraska and throughout the Midwest and, and numerous millions of people. Yeah. And so uh, what they're shipping is not gasoline. It's a, it's a crude oil um, full of what's called bitumen that sinks to the bottom of the earth and bottom of water. Mm -hmm. And it's, in, it's near impossible to clean up. So it would, it would devastate the aquifer. Yeah. It would ruin it for sure. Um, and at the expense of uh, another country profiting. So, during this whole debacle, when it first started, I was lucky enough uh, to start a marketing company. And uh, my partner had been working with a company called Bold Nebraska. And, uh, they were an organization. Mm -hmm. yep. And they were fighting the pipeline. And we started doing some videos for them and working on some media items for them. And uh, long story short, we ended up building a barn that powered by solar energy in the middle of the track, uh, the middle of the proposed pipeline. Route. That was so awesome. So amazing. Yeah. So we built the barn with like a hundred plus other people hand. Uh, we all did it in like, uh, God, it felt like, uh, just a few days and my company filled, filmed it. We filmed a time-lapse and, uh, we also helped build it. And then, you know, we kind of did the production uh, of that project and, and uh, we outfitted the building with solar panels. And then as we're driving away, I said, well, we can't just have a barn sit there. That's <laughs> awesome. It's kick ass, but why not? It's powered. There's power. Let's make a record in it. Yeah. And so we made a record in it with 10 bands, um, many of which that were on my label and a few others. And we made an album completely powered by the sun. And then mm -hmm. I said, well, we can't just make a record. We got to have a release party and we should have goddamn Neil Young play the release party. Of course. And uh, many people thought I was crazy. And so we started talking to Bold Nebraska about the idea and Bold got excited. Then they reached out to a guy uh, named Art Tandrup and Art Tandrup went to Washington and marched with all these like incredible like Sting and all mm. these movie stars. And on the bus, Art Tandrup met Neil Young mm. and said, you know, we're doing this thing back home. You should come play. Mm. and uh and it snowballed from there into uh well let's just ask him at, at first he said no because mm. he didn't quite understand what was happening mm -hmm. and then he realized that that the barn was there and the path was there and these people are fighting mm. tooth and nail to save their land and their water mm. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and finally he said, well, I'll do it and I'll bring my friend Willie. And so he brought <laughs> Willie Nelson and then Willie said, well, I'll do it and I'll bring my son, yeah. Lucas. Yeah, Lucas. So Lucas came and then, uh, and then all of the natives got together. We got the natives involved <laughs> and, uh, the Ponca tribe was there and, uh, and numerous others. And, um, there was some incredible, uh, performers from the native, uh, yeah. tribes that got up and performed and we all got to be on the press conference and I was sitting in between Willie and Neil and, it was just the craziest moment of my life. And, mm. and um, fast forward two hours from that, I was singing this land is your land with Willie and Neil wow. on the same stage. And like, I grew up listening to both of them Yeah, and they're like the ultimate icons. They were almost unreal. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll never forget before the show, they were adorning Willie and Neil with these Buffalo hides. And it was, it was hot. It was like 90 degrees out. Mm-hmm. It was hot. And then here they are putting buffalo hides on, you know, and Willie's like 70, 77 at that point or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, he's older fella, you know, people were, he was totally taking it like a champ. He was just like sitting there and Neil Young was sitting there and they're burning sage and all this, the chants are happening and this tribal music drums are happening. And Neil Young looks past a few folks standing in front of him and he locks eyes with me and it was the craziest, mm. I swear to God. And, and I, and I tell this story a lot. I don't understand. It, it, it probably lasted for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like he locked and stared at me through this tribal dance that was happening. Mm. And I wasn't about ready to like lose a staring match with Neil Young. No, <laughs> you just don't do that. No, no, you just don't look away. Yeah. And he just stared at me and it, it was the most empowered moment of my life. Like, I believe that. Yes. And, and I, you know, almost so much that I got a tattoo of, I had a tattoo on my arm of his eyeball, Hmm. uh, in, in a Buffalo that, you know, reflects that day. And 10 minutes later I went on and got on stage and performed and it was the most powerful thing Hmm. ever to happen to me. It was crazy. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you got to tell that story because I think I've heard of a a truncated version of that without the staring contest. Oh, sure, sure. Holy shit, Mike, that's insane. It's it's, and Neil Young is uh, you know he he's magical. He's a total ass. He's he's (laughs) like he's like a he's a total soothsayer. Like he's a shaman. He's all of those things. Yeah, right. Agreed. um, You know, and uh, and Willie too. When I met him, he was super nice to me and. uh, he had a very spiritual um, frame of mind uh, about him. Like he was just very, uh, I don't know how, how else to explain it. It was a spiritual yeah. well, experience. That, it just kills me. You got to sing like one of the most American songs. Yeah. Yeah. With American legends. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Doing trying to save, trying to save America. Save America. <laughs> trying to save America. Right. I mean, right. That, that's quite the confluence of things happening right there. Yeah. And, and I just, I think, I think it's, I think to tie this all together, Mike, is from, from the four-year-old dancing and singing on <laughs> the porch to, well, yeah, if, I mean, let's build a barn. And if we build a barn, let's power it. And if we power it, we might as well make a record. And if we're going to make a record, we might as well throw a party. If we're going to throw a party, we might as well have Neil Young here. I mean, yeah. it's just like the, the thing that it's inspiring about you is you're just like, well, yeah, let's just do that. Let's just do it. Yeah. Like there's no like, there's no like cowering in fear. Like, like I like to do, it's just like, just do it. you know what I mean? Like we could right. all take a little bit of Mike Semrad with us. Just, <laughs> I hope so. You know what I mean? Like we're all gonna so. die. Just do it. 
Yeah. Well, just, I was going to ask, like, if you had any advice to somebody that's kind of wallflowering off the side and feels like they maybe have a creative thing, but they're not sure. And like, yeah. what would you tell that person? I would tell them to go to Gateway Mall and just start doing it. <laughs> right. And, and, and because Gateway Mall or, or any mall or any group of people uh, is, you know, I always say attack the fear because oh. because because like, you know, if you're afraid that somebody's going to hate it, then make somebody hate it. Mm. You know, like, like I love that. You know what I'm saying? Do like, it with enough yeah. oomph that somebody will hate it. Yeah, because how how enjoyable would it be to be like, dude, your music sucks. And then you'd be like, I know I totally <laughs> made you hate it. I totally made it suck, didn't I? And then you and then you realize that, hey, you can actually make that person feel something and then go home and work on making some people feel something different. If mm. if you don't want to be a band that sucks, then don't don't be a band that sucks. Mm. You know, like mm. like that sounds cliche, but it's like, well, you know, I mean, do but do what feels good to you, how it's going to make I don't know how, how it's going to make people feel like that's mm -hmm. a powerful thing to make other people feel stuff, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and fear mm. is, and fear is a, a dangerous thing, man. It, it, it's like that dragon that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. You know, mm -hmm. you got to watch out for that, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, and it sucks. And, and I'm not saying I'm not afraid of anything. I'm totally afraid. I'm, I'm afraid of all kinds of crazy stuff, but, um, it takes the buckle down, you know, you got to mm. just do it. Just do it. Mm. If it makes you feel good, then do it. I love that. That's yeah. wow. amazing. True. Thanks. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. I've been excited to meet you and have this conversation. And yeah, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, this is awesome. I never get to, I don't really get to do this because I, I typically run streams and, uh, and I, and I'm fascinated by other people and I'm so honored that you guys would want to have me on. I really am. Dude. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's really an honor, Mike. You, you're, you're doing a lot of amazing things. You're a staple of the local music community. You're just inspiring dude. And, uh, I can't wait to go to a bottle top show and me watch either. you and watch Carrie suck back some, some PBR and <laughs> PBRs, just get, yes. get wild. So she loves the PBRs, man. <laughs> yeah. And the kiddos are playing music and singing. They're coming up. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a family show before you know it. So, can't wait. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so right. much, Mike. Thanks, Mike.